This is Capital and Scott. I'm Laura Farrar. Today, we are talking about the field of nursing, specifically how it changed during the pandemic. Nursing shortages in Arkansas and around the country were bad before COVID-19. Now, they are at unprecedented levels. The field has been further disrupted by the explosion of travel nurses who make two to three times what they might earn at a full-time hospital job. Tens of thousands of nurses are also retiring or switching to other industries. Meanwhile, hospitals are scrambling to figure out ways to recruit and retain nursing staff. Joining me on the show today is Dr. Patty Cowan, who is the Dean of the School of Nursing at the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences in Little Rock. All right, so uh, Dean Cowan, thank you so much for joining us today on Capital and Scott. I first wanted to just start by asking your sense of what's going on at UAMS and other hospitals around the state that have been experiencing really extreme nursing shortages throughout the pandemic. It's gotten worse during the pandemic. How, how are things looking now? Have things improved at all? So the nursing shortage remains acute across the state. UAMS is experiencing very similar challenges in recruiting and retaining nurses as other hospitals and healthcare agencies are experiencing in Arkansas. Um, I think telling for us is that a Arkansas nursing workforce report is going to come out with a net loss of about 3,500 actively licensed nurses in Arkansas which is despite adding about 4,500 newly licensed nurses. So what we're seeing is we're having a greater loss of nurses than we are going ahead and adding nurses to the workforce during the pandemic. Is that 3,500 number somewhat unprecedented? Have you seen anything like this um, before? No, because our nursing workforce actually has been growing because the demand has increased. And so nationally, the nursing workforce plateaued during the first kind of 15 months of the pandemic. However, new data is showing that there's been a decrease in the total supply of nurses, despite adding new graduates of about 100,000 nurses nationally in the United States. And so this is unprecedented. I believe this is uh, the biggest loss that they've seen in four decades. So with what's going on in Arkansas, I'm guessing you could match this to a national trend, but why are nurses leaving? Uh, Are they leaving the field completely or where are they going? We have, I think, a few people who are choosing to retire early. And initially we thought that that was probably going to be our our biggest loss, people making the decision to move out of of being actively employed as they they were looking at retiring in a couple of years. But what we're finding is that the reduction is primarily in the younger nurses that are less than 35 years of age. Nationally, there's been about a 4% reduction in those younger nurses, those who are leaving the workforce. And it's been a combination of things, you know, pandemic, burnout, frustration, interrupted work patterns that we see due to family needs, Individuals that have childcare issues, schools are not necess- were not necessarily in session and people needed to become not only nurses, but educators for their children. And I think that we've had individuals who've been quarantined either themselves 
or family members that have resulted in disruptions, again, in that kind of work pattern. Another thing that came out, I haven't heard it in Arkansas, but I have heard it in other places, was nurses felt that their health was being uh, jeopardized based on availability of PPE, working short-staffed, and risks for making errors. I think that the other thing that's kind of brought to national attention has been the criminally negligent homicide case against a Vanderbilt nurse who went ahead a medication error. And so people are looking at that and saying, if the environment is such that I'm overworked, I'm working longer hours, I'm stressed out, I'm kind of burning the candle at home and at work, the risk of errors is high and I'm not willing to not only take that risk for patient care, but the risk potentially of losing my license and then ending up convicted of a crime. Right. What of these issues do you think existed before the pandemic and which issues do you think were exacerbated by COVID? And and I will say I was reading an article that was published fairly recently in the New York Times about what's happened nationally with nurses. And it pointed out that hospitals historically kind of keep a fairly streamlined staff of nurses that fluctuates depending on what they see kind of coming. Like the flu season, they might have more. During certain times of the year, there might be sort of less nurses on staff. And that that because this was already a system that was sort of, you know, kept in, in a kind of a precarious balance that the demands of COVID sort of exposed how, I, I guess you would say, fragile that balance has been and really tipped it kind of over the edge in terms of just creating more of a massive shortage. But in particular, what, what did we see going on before the pandemic? And then just what really sort of was exposed in terms of the problems in this industry? Well, I think that um, because the nursing workforce is still predominantly women. I believe in Arkansas, we have about 88, 89% of our RN workforce is female. Often child care falls more to the female in a relationship despite the changes that have occurred over the years. And so I think that the pandemic did go ahead and exacerbate that and show how fragile we are in our relying on available schools and child care facilities to help care for children of nurses who are often working 12-hour shifts. So that be- that became an issue. The PRN pool is something that I've seen for a long time. And the PRN pool is nurses who are interested in working typically a couple shifts a week because they are the primary caregiver at home for their children. And what we have found with that is people weren't able to come in to do those PRN shifts again because of challenges with childcare um, that resulted and were exacerbated during the, the COVID pandemic. And I think a concern of risk about going ahead and coming on in to go ahead and do shifts, particularly not knowing whether or not they would be exposed and then go ahead and infect uh, family members. What about the mental health component of this? I was able to go into some of the COVID units at UAMS last summer 
and speak to some of the nurses and also just have read stories about dealing with, number one, just the constant death because of the pandemic and also families becoming outraged and angry at pretty much every hospital staff they could find. And then not to mention sort of this dual reality of being within the walls of a hospital where the pandemic is very much raging and then going outside and people are sort of more casual about it and think that it's slowly winding down. So having to deal with this total cognitive dissonance of reality, what toll has that taken? And do you feel like people are kind of coming back from that yet in terms of just the trauma that was experienced? Well, I think that there was, I always said, you know, with spring came hope with the the vaccines and the accessibility and then there was disappointment and concern among healthcare providers as we did not see the adoption of vaccines occurring in the general public. And then the Omicron variant was demoralizing because it spread so quickly and we were again inundated with individuals, many who had, of course, not, not uh, chosen to go ahead and get vaccinated. And so I think that became more frustrating because there was a mechanism to go ahead and uh, reduce cases of COVID and the general population was not uh, going ahead and doing that. And as healthcare providers, we know that we often have family members who also did not go ahead and take the vaccine. And so people were having to make tough, tough choices. They might not want to be around family that weren't vaccinated, but they themselves were coming into an environment taking care of people who hadn't been vaccinated, who were very, very sick. And it becomes frustrating to feel that you might be putting uh, your health in jeopardy for people not um, concerned about the fact that not only is their health in jeopardy, but they're putting other people's health on the line as well. Sure. I think mental mental health has been a concern. You, you mentioned people dying, particularly, I think, when we've seen young individuals who did not go ahead and take preventive actions to go ahead and get the vaccine, and they die. It, it's um, a heavy burden. I know that I've talked to individuals who are in long-term care facilities where often those, those patients are more like family to them, and having individuals that they know die every day is challenging and hard to stay in that environment. So you mentioned before that there are some some nurses who are retiring, but then there are some who are younger who are walking away or doing something else. Um, Are they just, are they leaving the industry completely or are they going to other settings that are just simply less stressful or both? We have a combination occurring. We have individuals that are stepping away from nursing and are going to reassess whether or not they want to go ahead and continue in nursing. Right. We have some individuals who are looking for employment in, and so I will say, I know some people who've stepped away from nursing who've gone ahead and gone into real estate. They're attuned to people. They have good communication skills. They're well organized. And for them, it's a less stressful job. On the other hand, I see individuals are looking at opportunities in outpatient type care settings or in telehealth because telehealth is going to stick. It's one of the evolutions I think that that was really accelerated by the pandemic and will remain for a period of time. But the challenge was that during COVID, 
we saw declines in clinics, volumes coming on in. So there weren't necessarily positions in long t- out, outside of the hospital settings for nurses to go into. Right. I guess, are you seeing that come back now to a degree? Yes, they mm-hmm. are coming on back right. um, at this point in time. And I think there are some other things. Uh, like I said, telehealth has been accelerated by the pandemic, and I think that's here to stay. I think that we're going to see a larger focus on mental health services needed not only for healthcare providers, but for the public in general as we look at that. Certainly, we know that the number of suicides and mental health issues and youth have increased, so that behavioral health nursing is going to be in demand. And as we've had more people at home, different modalities for home care, whether that be telehealth or going back more to nurses providing home visits, I will increase. But all this sort of leads to, I think, the question of what are hospitals going to do? Nurses are needed in these critical care settings, ICUs, emergency departments. And from my understanding, that's now the hardest place to get them to work, which creates all sorts of problems and I would imagine really strains the system and makes it even harder on nurses who are still working there and probably pushes them to think about leaving. So was this sort of some type of systemic change that needs to happen? I understand UAMS, at least this, I don't know if this is still accurate, was offering a fairly nice sign-on bonus for for nurses, I believe that might be wrong um, or not accurate now, but how how can this be be fixed? Well, I think that one of the things that will again come out of the pandemic is that there have been market adjustments and salaries for nurses, and those are essentially what I would call stay wages. You know, we we want to keep our well-qualified nurses and we need to um, pay them a market adjustment in order to go ahead and keep those individuals working. One of the things that the travel nurse industry did is it, it created quite a discrepancy in what the nurses were making at their home institution versus a travel nurse. And that created stress and discord among the nurses who were staying and who were often having to help the travel nurses more because they may not know the equipment or the policies in the same way that the long-term employer employee did. I do think that that will we'll see a decline in travel nurses. Um, I don't know that we'll ever see it eliminated. Um, but our challenge has been that we would see people in central Arkansas who worked at one of the hospitals and then get a travel position to be able to go down the road 30 miles and work. Right. And that's not what really the travel nurse industry was designed for. Right. So I think that we will see that there will be some continued use of travelers in areas where staffing may be lower than anticipated. I think we will also look at ways to retain nurses. You know, and some of those things are going to be the safe environment, feeling like there's opportunity for growth, feeling that they have input into the type of scheduling and staffing that is needed. And I think the other thing that we'll see is we'll see institutions looking at how we can go ahead and redesign our health delivery systems, looking at staffing patterns and mix of personnel. 
I, don't, I think something we talk about is the shortage of nursing, but non-licensed personnel, like our patient care technicians who work um, in the hospital setting, have also gone ahead and left healthcare because they can go to Amazon and make $20 right, an hour. Right. So when we start looking at the redesign, our staffing patterns, or mix of personnel, we really are going to have to look broadly at that. And we're going to look at ways to use nurses and all of our healthcare personnel to the scope of their education so that we're going ahead and being efficient and helping people grow and feel feel that they're valued for not just one thing they do, but the potential of what they can do. We'll be right back with more Capital and Scott. Hi, this is Laura Farrar. The stories we dive into on Capital and Scott are just a fraction of the reporting the Democrat Gazette brings to readers every day. If you'd like to support our commitment to bringing you the latest in Arkansas news, sports, and entertainment, consider subscribing to the Democrat Gazette. With your subscription, you'll get a digital edition of the newspaper every morning, along with the latest news and updates delivered to you on an iPad provided at no extra cost. For just $34 a month, you'll get the same award-winning journalism you've come to expect from the Democrat Gazette, plus exclusive photo galleries, videos, articles, and digital extras like this podcast, all in the palm of your hand. To sign up today, call 1-800-482-1121 or visit us online at arkansasonline.com forward slash subscribe. Welcome back to Capital and Scott. I did want to touch upon the travel nursing industry a bit. Frankly, I was not that familiar with it prior to the pandemic, but I remember I was actually in a yoga class and these two women showed up and they were working in a hospital in in Hot Springs and they had been working in a hospital in New Orleans but left their job and were in Arkansas with uh, free housing and I forget what they said they were. They said they were making basically multiple times more than what they would make at their full-time jobs in New Orleans and that they were also so burned out from working day in and day out in New Orleans, which at the time were Prior to that, it had a pretty big hit by the pandemic with COVID-19 cases. First of all, before the pandemic, was this like a popular option for nurses? And then what, I mean, it might seem obvious to some people, but what led to sort of its its explosion during COVID-19? And I mean, I'm guessing it's money combined with shortages and just trying to make, uh, you know, demand and supply sort of level out. But what led to this fundamental shift in it over the past couple of years? Well, the travel nurse industry has been around for a while, but certainly not to the extent that we are seeing here. And when you think of responses to pandemics, being able to move people from one area to a geographic area that has a public health emergency in a short period of time is positive. But when the whole country has that emergency going on, going ahead and reshifting individuals starts to become about who can pay for those individuals. And that's what makes this non-sustainable. I was surprised to read an article in in January in Health Affairs that indicated that they thought the travel nursing industry was going to grow an additional 40% in the future, which seems unsustainable to me because of the cost associated with this. One of the challenges with the travel 
uh, nursing industry that's developed during the pandemic is that it seems to have become a, a competition, almost a bidding war, to go ahead and see if you can get those staff. And individuals may sign a contract to have it, uh, or hospitals may sign a contract to have a travel nurse come, and then the travel nurse doesn't show up. And there doesn't seem to be much recourse about that. And so one of the concerns certainly has been this idea of price gouging, not only for uh, critical supplies, but healthcare personnel as well. And are we really going ahead and having an industry that's looking to make a lot of money off a critical situation? Right. It does. The issue of price gouging has come up. And I I just, and I also, like, I've understood that, that like you mentioned before, there is a discord between nurses in hospitals who are working alongside uh, their colleagues who left to become a travel nurse and maybe somehow uh, ended right back up working alongside them somehow in a travel capacity or making three times more money. And then that led to some more sort of friction and frustration within hospitals between nurses and their colleagues leaving or making more money. And I, I don't know how that's in, impacted morale during the pandemic and whether it's had sort of a lasting impact or not. I do think that it's going to have a lasting impact. I think the other piece that we haven't looked at yet is, did we have a change in the quality of care that was provided by going ahead and having a lot more travel nurses during that time? That, to me, is one of the challenges that we're going to have to look at is to go ahead and see on our particularly non-COVID units, if we needed to go ahead and have travel nurses, did we see increased errors occurring? Did we go ahead and see more hospital-acquired affections occurring? Did we see more falls occur in the hospital? So we need to really go ahead and do a good analysis Mm. on those types of patient care outcomes that we're looking at to go ahead and see if the travel nurse um, affected that. And, you know, we've had APRNs and physicians who sometimes will go to rural areas and man emergency rooms in rural towns that don't have Uh, those resources, but typically those individuals have a contract and it's not a a six-week contract. This is more extended contract. So that's the other thing is we've had contracts with travel nurses that were short-term and then those that were longer-term. We used to use the term quite a bit for certain things, locum tenum. Right. So people may function as a locum tenum going and working for six months in Alaska or in Montana or rural areas. I think the challenge is we haven't had this degree occurring in more suburban or cities. Mm -hmm. So again, referencing an article that I read about nursing, one of the nurses that was interviewed said, nurses have finally learned what they're worth. I don't think they're going to go back the way it was before. I don't think they're going to settle. But what I'm hearing from you is there has to be some type of balance between what nurses have been paid in the travel industry and also then what hospitals have been paying full-time nurses, which clearly maybe isn't enough. And I think that people sometimes do frankly underestimate the crucial role that nurses play in hospital settings and just how important they are to so many functions and to families and to patient comfort and care that, yeah, maybe they should be getting more money, but... Uh, you know, is there some type of balance, do you, do you think, or do you think that's a true statement? Um, I, I know you touched upon pay before, but 
what needs to, to change here? So I do think that some adjustment and salaries need to be made, but we need to look overall at our healthcare system, which is very costly. And so how do we go ahead and balance out the cost of healthcare personnel and supplies, which are continuing to rise right now, and go ahead and not have healthcare become so exorbitant that it's out of the reach of many people. I don't have the answer to that, but I do think we have to look at it, not just from a personnel issue, but, you know, our supply chain and our um, the equipment that we need are all going up in prices as well. And so what we're seeing is that we're having personnel cost increase, but we're having cost for supplies increase. That gets charged to somebody. And so it becomes the consumer who is having to pay that. And so we need to look at what's manageable. And we also need to look at, again, the type of personnel that we need in order to go ahead and take care of certain duties and who has the skill set and who is trainable to go ahead and take on more. So I wanted to end because you are the dean of the nursing school at UAMS. Are you seeing any changes in terms of interest in nursing and student makeup? Has this impacted just nursing school at all? So it has, actually. When we look national, so I'll talk first a little bit nationally and then about what's happening in Arkansas. So nationally, um, enrollment last year in entry-level nursing programs, BSN programs such as we have, was up about 4%. But when I met with deans this last spring, um, here in March, what we're seeing is applications are down. Hmm. So we kind of had an increase in enrollment, and then our applications are down. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that people won't fill their available spots, but I think people are, are, are pausing a little bit to go ahead and say, okay, do I want to do this? Our messaging, unfortunately, seems to be, it's a pandemic, we're worn out, we're heroes, and people are want to be there, but they're also starting to see the news of people leaving the profession and being burnt out. And we need some positive messaging because the majority of nurses are staying in nursing, and they are being fulfilled, and they do feel that what they that it's, it is something that they want to continue to do in their life. I do think that we are seeing applications in Arkansas to our programs have dropped. Hmm. So most of the deans when we met um, this year said that our applications were down in our programs, and we will find that at UAMS as well. For nurses who are working as uh, registered nurses, many of them are pausing to think about whether they want to come back to become a nurse practitioner, a CRNA, or other type of advanced role, or if they're an associate degree nurse working, do they want to come back to get their baccalaureate degree? And so in applications to graduate programs are down substantially. And I'm not surprised because these nurses are working extra shifts. They have still the uncertainty of what's going to happen as their children go back to school again in the fall. Um, and so I think that they're going to pause for a year or two before they look at continuing on in. Do you all have any strategy to try to shift that immediately, or is it just waiting waiting it out to see if the numbers improve? Well, I think some of the things that we're looking to do is to include 
the stories of individuals who are in nursing and staying in nursing and why they're choosing to stay. We need to, and we've talked at the national level about this as well, Johnson & Johnson and others have been good advocates for nursing, about having some of that, that positive pictures and stories of nurses, because I think that does make a difference. And then we're looking at ways that we can support our students more. So one of the things that we have done in our undergraduate program is we've added mindfulness to their curriculum to help them become more focused, add more balance. We're doing this for the nursing staff as well at UAMS. We have a um, kind of a nurturing the nurse retreat, a wellness retreat, where we focus on mind-body connection, mindfulness, yoga, healthy eating, really promoting health care among our students and providers so that they are taking better care of themselves because it's hard to keep giving if you're not going ahead and taking care of yourself as well. Right. Well, Dean Patty Cowan, thank you so much for your time today. This has been really great insight into the field of nursing, and it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, in the future with all of these changes and shortages, and hopefully things will, will level out in the future. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you. The American Nurses Association reports that more registered nurse jobs will be available this year than any other profession in the United States. Also, the Bureau of Labor Statistics reports that there will be more than 194,000 openings for registered nurses every year for the next decade. Thanks for listening to Capital and Scott. Have a good rest of the week and happy Mother's Day. We'll be back with another episode the week after next on Wednesday, May 18th.